Well, like he said, uh, my name is Vince, and I am one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm excited to be up here with you guys today. Um, real quick, though, I got a couple of announcements. I just want to make sure um, I highlight that tonight we're having this home run, um, per, not a premiere, but a home run showing, um, and Celebrate Recovery is putting that on, so make sure you guys come out tonight, 6 p.m. right here concessions and cafe will be open at 5 30 p.m. So what do we got in the concessions? Popcorn, normal concessions, no, nothing, no steak or anything like that. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's gonna be a good time. So come out tonight. And then also I want to make sure uh, that the men, in case you missed it, we're having worship and wings. And I do want to clarify that it's for men. I guess there were some ladies coming up last week, but like, can we come and I don't know. No, you can't come, but uh, it is it is only for men, and it's going to be this Wednesday, right? November 13th. Is that this Wednesday? At 7 p.m., and once again, we're going to be in here, so we're just going to destroy the carpet and spill our drinks and spill our wing sauce. Okay, no, we're not going to do that. We're definitely not going to do that, but yeah, it's going to be a good time, so be sure you come out for that. Luke Nettleton is going to bring a word from the Lord. I'm excited about that. In fact, I had a vision a second ago, like, because I'm hot up here already. I, if you know me, I'm always hot. And I, I was thinking about putting a, van, a fan over here so I could have a fan blowing on me constantly. And I thought, well, that might look funny. And then I thought Luke up here with a fan and his hair, like, all in his face. <laughs> It'd be funny. But yeah, he's going to be bringing the word November 13th. So that's going to be a good time. Make sure you're for that. And I think that's it as far as what I was told to announce. So um, let's, let's get into the word. Let's pray real quick. Father, we uh, turn our hearts to you, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are our great teacher. And, and we just ask you to come. We invite you to come and minister to our hearts. Lord, I thank you for what you want to say today, Lord God, and I just give you praise. I give you all control, Lord God. This is for you. As Pastor Sean was saying, it's all about you, and we just give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today I want to talk to you about stepping out, stepping out um, into what God has for you, uh, into his plan um, coming up with this title was actually kind of hard for me. I don't know why, but coming up with titles for any message I have is a difficult thing. I just don't get it because most of my titles don't make any sense. So I went to Darla and I went to Stacy and I said, this is the name of my message. And they just looked at me funny. I'm like, okay, well that must be a dumb name. And, uh, <laughs> or, or I'll come up with a title that's like a paragraph, like, we're going to step out into the plan and will that God has for your life, and it's going to be exponential, and God is going to do great things. And that's a little too much. And so they helped me come out, come up with this, helped me shorten it up into stepping out. Um, and I really believe as Christians, and I believe even before you commit your life to Christ, that God has a specific plan for you. You know, the Bible tells us that he knew you before you were born. 
And so I think uh, in your makeup and in your design, your personality, that God has a specific plan uh, for you, a ministry, if you will, for your life. A lot of times when people hear the word ministry, they, me- they immediately assume a church or they immediately assume of an organization. But to minister in the simplest form is to serve, is to serve. And I believe that God is calling every one of us uh, to serve in one capacity or another his kingdom. And so he has a ministry for you. And I personally believe that we as a church are entering into a time where we're going to see the glory of God in a way that we never have. I personally believe that we're entering in uh, to a time where some may call it an end time of revival or a great awakening in the church. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be a glorious thing. I'm excited to see God's church uh, raising up and being who they should be in this earth, which is Jesus. We should be his representation. The church should be acting like Jesus did when he was here on this earth. Uh, but if you look at revivals and, and outpourings uh, from the past, usually they're centered around one place, and they're usually centered around one ministry, um, in fact, you can probably think of some, maybe Toronto, right? We had the Pensacola. If we go back, we got the Azuzu Street, right? These are some of the great revivals that, that hit our land. And, and like I say, usually they're just kind of sit they're around one place. What I see going forward is something way bigger than that, not centered around one place, not centered around one ministry, not centered around one person, but a people group that call themselves Christians, actively engaging their God and serving his purpose here in this earth on a mass scale. I imagine this constantly. In fact, this is why I breathe. (laughs) I mean, this is really what I live for. I met Jesus like 14 years ago. I met him before that, but I started to live for him 14 years ago. And from that point on, I have been totally consumed with knowing him and making him known. In fact, I promise you, every time I have an opportunity to get up here, I'll probably talk about how much I love Jesus and I love his kingdom. Because that's just become who I was. My life before that was centered around uh, a whole bunch of other things that were just wrong. And But when I met Jesus, man, this became my life. And so today I want to talk to you about how you can begin to step out in the ministry that God has for you. Like I said, I believe everyone has a ministry. Uh, And... and, and let's just get into this. Go ahead and turn to Matthew 14. Matthew 14. And we're going to start reading in verse 13. I'm going to read through this and then we'll go through it. How do we step into what God has for us? What can we do to step into that? And listen, I don't believe it's complicated. I really don't believe it's a complicated process. Sometimes I feel like we complicate things. In fact, I live by a motto that maybe some of you are familiar with. Familiar with. Kiss. Y'all ever heard of that? Keep it simple, stupid. That's how, in fact, 
whenever I had the awesome opportunity to start taking over our youth ministry, I have a whiteboard in my office that I started writing some vision down on. And at the very top, I just put KISS. Keep it simple, stupid. You know, because I got to remind myself a lot that sometimes we can overcomplicate things and make them more than they are. And, and it's really not complicated. Now, listen to this. It may be uncomfortable. It may be kind of scary, but it's not a complicated process. Let's, let's start reading in verse 13. Uh, what's going on here is Jesus got news of John the Baptist uh, being uh, beheaded. They were close, and so I'm sure he was sad about this. He wanted to go to a deserted place, and let's read in verse 13. It says, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from their cities or from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. That's probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I just love to see that compassion moving him to a place of manifesting the kingdom of heaven. You see, he was in a place where he was like, hey, I just got some bad news. I want to be alone. But because of the compassion that he has and the love for God, he was moved to go and manifest the kingdom of heaven in that place. Man, that's, that's just, I love it. I love Jesus. All right, verse 15. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the, hours, the hour is already late. So I would imagine he was teaching the people. He obviously was healing them. And the disciples said this, send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, now check this out, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Verse 17. And they said to him, we, uh, we have, excuse me, they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. Sometimes I just get way ahead of myself. <laughs> he said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the multitudes. Verse 20, so they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments and, uh, that remained. So we have 12 baskets left over. So here's Jesus. He's been with these people uh, all day. The disciples say they got to be hungry. You need to feed them. He says, what do you got? I got five loaves. I've got two fish. And uh, he, so he took that. He blessed it. And then from that point on, I wish there was more detail. Like sometimes when I'm reading, I'm like, Can, I wish they would have expounded a little bit more because I looked it up because this is actually an account that is in all four gospels. And so I looked it up and everyone hoping that there would be more detail after Jesus blessed it and gave it to the disciples. Uh, but there's not. It just says that they ate, were full, and there was a whole bunch left over. So obviously we know that this was an awesome miracle. The Bible says there was 5,000 men. That's not including women and children. So Potentially, there was 15,000 people that ate off of five loaves and two fish. Five loaves and two fish. Now, you may be looking at me like, what's this have to do with my ministry? And that's a great question. That's a really good question. What had happened with me was, is I was actually listening uh, to Robert Morris. Anybody ever heard of Robert Morris? And he was preaching on this particular passage of Scripture 
And it was cool, man, because he was preaching and I didn't hear a word of what he said. And I pray that happens to you every time we preach. I pray you just begin to hear the Holy Spirit and he begins to pour something into your heart. Because what he was talking about, and some of you may have experienced this, what he was talking about is not what I got. But I was listening to it, and the Lord began to deposit something into me from this that I hope blesses you right now. Uh, but it was just so cool to, to, to listen and then just get what the Holy Spirit has for me. And at that moment, he told me that he wanted me to preach it today. So that's what we're going to do. So how? How do I step into what God has for me? When I look at this passage of Scripture and what the Holy Spirit started showing me is that first off, Jesus commissioned them to do something. He said, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. And then secondly, they had to identify what they had. So Jesus commissioned them to do something, and then they identified what they had. So what they had wasn't sufficient, was it? What they had was not enough. In other passages, they, they talked about how even if we went and spent, you know, like eight months worth of wages, we can't get enough food for these people. And so they identified, they first identified what they had. And that would be what I would encourage you to do. If you want to step into what God has for you, you need to first identify, number one, what you've been commissioned to do, and number two, what you have. What have you been commissioned to do, and what do you have? Listen, every one of us have been commissioned with the Great Commission, but even beyond that, I believe, like I said earlier, that we have a specific destiny, that we have a specific plan for our lives. But if we never spend time to identify it, we're never going to be able to walk in it. It has to be something that is a priority, that you say, okay, I am going to spend time right now with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to let him lead me into what his plan is for my life. And most of the time, we kind of we live our lives, and then every now and then we think we try to address the Holy Spirit. But I'm telling you that the fulfilled life, the life that you're going to be satisfied in, is going to be the life where you identify what God's plan is for your life. And, and then you see what you have to do that with. What are your giftings? What's in your heart? What's your passion? What's your resources? What do you have? And don't be afraid if it doesn't look like enough, because obviously we could see what God does. So we have to identify. Here they identified they were commissioned, and they had five loaves, two fish. Now, don't just limit yourself. Let me tell you this, because a lot of times um, when we identify what we have, we limit ourselves um, to just the giftings that we have. Or uh, we limit ourselves... Maybe just to what's in our heart at that moment. But I can think back in my own lives, in my own lives, I only have one, my life. <laughs> and I can see, you know, there, are, there have been many times where the Lord was calling me to a place that I felt like I had no business being. Number one, children's ministry. I'm telling you. When Lisa and Pastor Sean came to me and asked me to uh, ask me and my wife to take over the children's ministry, I thought, no way. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not gifted in that. Um, I, that's something that I can't do. But what I did is I went and sought the Lord because I wanted to make sure that I'm going to be led by him and not what I think. 
So I sought the Lord, and I really felt like he was leading us into that place. And I'm telling you, because of that, I have grown so much in my walk with the Lord and have had the opportunity in imparting, in imparting, uh, the gospel, imparting truth, imparting destiny to this next generation, which is all so important, by the way. And so I've grown so much of that, but I would have never thought that, that that was me. So don't limit yourself just to your giftings. And also don't do this, because a lot of times you'll think, okay, well, I'm gifted in, um, in, in worship. I'm gifted, excuse me, I'm gifted musically. And so then automatically you might just go, okay, well, God's calling me to worship. That may not be the case. Man, we can't limit ourselves in what God wants to do with us. Just look at Jimmy Bratcher. He's one of my favorite people. He is gifted musically, and God is using him in the bars. Amen? Hey, that's a good thing. Amen. And so don't limit yourself just if, if, you're, if you're gifted in a certain area to just thinking inside the box. You know, we take personality tests and we take uh, our personality profiles and gift tests and all those are good, uh, but the Holy Spirit has something for you that may not be defined by those. Amen? Because honestly, I would never be here if I took a personality test and a gifting profile. I would never be up here, ever. Never. No. In fact, the first time I spoke in front of people, I, my throat closed. You know how when you get so embarrassed, your face starts to tingle? It was bad. And Kevin Stark was there. He came and like, well, awesome, Vince. Come on, sit down. <laughs> you know, he was there to save me, and I was so grateful for that. Couldn't, I lost my memory. Like, I couldn't remember my name. It's bad. I was oh, so bad. But my attitude towards it was it could only get better because literally it could not get worse. Could not get worse. So we got to identify it. Now here's something that is so vital. Write it down. What he's calling you to, your ministry, what's in your heart, what he's leading you to, please do yourself and the world a favor and write it down. I'm so serious. Is it Habakkuk? Make it plain on tablets so those who run can see it and they have vision so they can run. You need to write it down. I used to, back in the day when I was seeking the Lord for vision, anytime I get any more vision, I write it down. I got to keep it in front of me. And I constantly visit that and remind myself of what the Lord has told me. When I started uh, working with the youth in the youth ministry, I went and I got in my quiet place and I started to seek him for vision. And when I got vision, the first thing I did is wrote it down, wrote it down so I can have it clear, so I can revisit that and know what God is doing me. And it'll keep you accountable because it's easy. I'm not saying that God won't change your direction sometimes, but it's really easy when stuff doesn't look like it should be, or it doesn't, uh, it's not happening the way that you may think or expect it to happen. And you thought, you know, well, maybe we should change it. When you write it down, you can go back to that and keep that as a steady focus in your life. So we got to first identify it. I feel like that's what the disciples did with the five loaves and with what they've been commissioned. They were commissioned by him to feed them. This is what they had. The second thing is that you got to be willing. You have to be willing. And this is really where you begin to take steps and living out what God has showed you. This is when you begin step one 
And this is when you begin step two in living out what God has for you. This is when it can get uncomfortable. This is when it can get kind of scary. You know, I look at this particular passage and I, I have to imagine what it would have been like because Jesus, you know, he took those five loaves, he took those two fish, and it says that he broke it amongst the disciples. And then he, well, first, he, what did he do? He looked to heaven. He blessed it. Now, I love that because when you look that up in the original context, in the original language, it says to regain sight. That's what he was doing when he was looking to heaven. He was regaining sight because you know what? Sometimes in we're, when we're fulfilling and when we're walking out what God has for us, sometimes it can be, it can be really easy to get distracted by the circumstances of what you see. Five loaves, two fish, 15,000 people. Psh, yeah, right, Peter, you bless this, man. <laughs> no, he was regaining sight. Okay, he's looking into heaven. He's looking into the reality that supersedes this natural law and says, oh, okay, no, this ain't enough. Oh, but there's enough. Amen? So he's regaining sight, and so, but he breaks it, and then, because he told them to feed him, so he gives it back to the disciples. And so I kind of imagine it like this, like Jesus is here, and the multitudes are there, and, and you turn around, and you got like crumbs in your hands, and you got to go feed some disciples. And I've heard Reinhard Bonnke teach on this, and he says the next 20 steps here, he calls it the valley of death or the valley of doubt. The graveyard, I think he says, of death or, or of doubt and unbelief. I love the way he talks. Because that's when you are going to make a choice to be willing with what God has given you. You can look out on the crowd and maybe what he's calling you to and think, holy cow, this is huge. There's no way that this is going to be possible. Or you can begin to take a step towards what he has for you. And then you can take another step and take another step until you get to the multitudes and you begin to distribute what God has given you and you begin to serve a generation. You begin to serve a people group and they begin to witness what God can do. They begin to witness the kingdom of heaven. But here's the thing. If all of us stay right here, then they're not going to see a dang thing. Listen, Jesus didn't go and give the food to the, or didn't go and give the food to the crowd. His disciples did. Those who were following him. And he's calling us up to that place where even, even though may, maybe we don't have what appears to be enough to do what he's called us to do, when you begin to take that step, what he does is he begins to grow you. He begins to develop you. And he begins to multiply just as he multiplied that bread. He'll begin to multiply your giftings. You'll see that anointing of God come upon you, which leads me to step three. And this is it. You got to identify. You got to be willing in this step three you see what God does. I don't think it has to be more complicated than that. I think if we can identify what God is telling us to do and listen, have enough guts to do it, then you will begin to see what God can do. My life is a testimony to that. I decided like seven years ago that I don't even care what it is. I'm willing to do it for the kingdom. And my life is and, and who I am, even as a person, and what's happened through me because, of, because of, of stepping out is a testimony to God. And listen, stepping out 
It, it involves three things, and I guarantee you of these three things. It will be uncomfortable, and you will fail, and you will have to sacrifice. I guarantee you those three things because I've stepped out, and it's uncomfortable. I didn't feel like doing it. I didn't want to. It's uncomfortable. And I've messed it up because sometimes I don't think according to God's ways. I start thinking on my own, and I mess it up, and I fail. Now, for me, quitting is not an option. So when I fail, I get back up and start stepping again. And listen, there has been plenty of things that I've had to sacrifice in my life. But I count it all as loss for the sake of knowing him and seeing his kingdom advance in this earth. Church, I can see a generation of Christians living out their ministry. Listen, it's about affecting your area of influence. It didn't matter where Jesus went. He manifested the kingdom of God. And when we begin to step out on what God has for us, that is exactly what you're going to do. You're going to manifest the kingdom of God. But we have to be faithful with what he's given us. We have to be faithful. Now, does God need us to show up? Does he need us to show up? Did God need the disciples to feed those 5,000? No. But he wanted to use those disciples. He desires us. He, that's why he created us. He created us so we can be his expression. He made us like him so we can express who he is. And we're supposed to express who he is no matter where we go. But if we never spend time, if we just get caught up in, in just living out maybe the American dream, or we get caught up in our businesses, and we get caught up. Now listen, I'm not saying this to say that God's not going to use your business. God's, God wants to use you, like I said before, everywhere you're at. God will use your business. God will use what you're doing. But we have to first identify it and then begin to take the steps that are necessary. And seek him for those steps. Seek him. What do I do? Now listen, I was that person that was sitting there with the scraps of bread and the fish. This is what I've been, I've been commissioned to do something. And I have the resources in my hand. It may not look like I had the resources in my hand, but I did. And, and I stood there in fear for years. I mean, I was frozen. I didn't do anything. I knew. I honestly knew. And I'm, I'm completely truthful. I knew before I was saved. I knew before I was living for God. There was something in me that just knew. You guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever experienced that? We just know. I just knew. And I'm sitting there, and I'm afraid, and I ain't doing nothing. I'm afraid. Years and years. Just looking at what I have, and it's because I'm not stepping, it's not being developed. It's not multiplying. It's not, it's not changing things. Just sitting there years in fear. I was so afraid. I was afraid of every one of you. What was wrong with me? I don't know. But I was. Honestly, I was just afraid of people. And I was afraid of what people were going to think about me. And I was afraid of how they would react. I was afraid of looking like an idiot as I sit up here, scream and sweat and spit. <laughs> but, man, I began to step. And I would take small steps. And Sean would be like, hey, Vince, do you want to lead a small group? And at first I'd be like, no, that's stupid. <laughs> Why would you ever want to lead a small group? I'd have to talk and people would have to hear me. No, you know. So I'd, I'd just be frozen. But then I finally, like I said, about seven years ago, I said, oh, whatever, God, I'm willing. And then I did it. 
And I didn't care. Like, I got to a point where it's like, I love you so much, I don't care if I look like an idiot anymore. I don't care if I fall flat on my face. I don't care if people judge me. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I cast those cares on him finally, you know? I really just said, okay, you carry it. And I began to step and watch it develop and multiply and begin to see what he can do. And, man, he would begin to show up. Amen? Amen. I'm out of time, and, and I got to close, so I'm going to do that. <laughs> I want to keep going, though. I think about the parable of the talents. Jesus, listen, check this out. Jesus said when he, when he began to teach on this, the kingdom of heaven is like... Whenever Jesus says that, you really should pay attention because you're learning a principle that he operates by and that the kingdom operates by. A man that gave his servants some money, and they were supposed to invest and do something with it. But why did the one that got the one talent, why did he not, why did he not uh, do it? Because he was afraid. And so he let that fear dictate what he was going to do, and he went and buried it. Instead of doing what his master told him to do. And listen, it says that he gave it to them according to their what? Ability. Now, he is not going to give you anything that he has not blessed and gave you the ability to do. He, uh, you may not think you got the ability, but he has blessed it, which blessed means empower to prosper. So when he gives you something, it's going to happen if you start to take the steps. I like what Jimmy says. I got the ministry of showing up. I'm going to show up, and I, he gave it to me. i got to show up. And so he, you have the ability because he blessed it. we got to be faithful. God is calling for radical faithfulness. Now, let, me, let, me just, let me say this one last thing. Two more things, two more things. The first thing is that some of us may have already identified, but we have said some stuff in our heart and our head. You, you, you know, for me, I identified that God wanted to use me to preach. But in my head, when I identified that, I was like, no, I can't do that. No, I, I, I'm too afraid. I am not good enough. I don't have anything to say of value, is what the enemy always used on me. You don't have anything to say of value. And so what I had to do is I had to break my agreement with that lie. Because I believed that. I didn't believe what God said about me. I believed the lie. And so I had to identify, okay, this is what he's called me to do, but this is really what I believe. And then I had to break that agreement. And sometimes, man, I'm telling you, I would see myself speaking out the word and yelling in the middle of Walmart, no, when these thoughts would come to my head. Because I got to a point where it's like, okay, I'm either going to fulfill what God has called me to do or I'm going to live a life of fear. And I wasn't going to live a life of fear. I said two more things. What's the last thing? Oh, yeah. Now, some of you, sorry, <laughs> this is kind of all over the place. I'm, I'm sorry. But, um, you know, I, I know that some of you I've identified and some of you are willing, but you feel stuck. And you're like, man, what is going on? I would give you two, two bits of advice. Number one, you need to seek the Lord and make sure you're in the right place. You got to make sure you're in the right place. 
because you have to be in the right place for him to be able to use you. So you need to seek the Lord and make sure you're in the right. If you feel stuck, seek the Lord, make sure you're in the right place. Spiritually, make sure you're in the right place. Does that make sense? I'm not talking about just a specific location. It may be a location, but you need to make sure you're in the right place with him, in the right place in your relationships. You need to make sure you're in the right place, uh, maybe, you know, uh, geographically. Make sure you're in the right place. So seek him, open up your heart to him, and ask him to reveal to you what's up, okay? And then my second, my second piece of advice, if you are in the right place and you realize you're in the right place, and if you're not in the right place, you get in the right place, remain faithful. Remain faithful. I think about Pastor Tom. He was told to start this church, and then God said, wait. I think it was six years. Six years. But he remained faithful to the vision that God gave him. Amen? Amen. Well, let's bow our heads and let's close in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus for your word. We thank you for who you are. God, I thank you uh, for what you're doing in this place right now. Just go ahead right now. Open up your heart to him. Let him minister to you right where you're at. Holy Spirit, we just say come and begin to identify. Identify uh, what you've called us to. Begin to identify what's keeping us from walking in the net, Father God. Begin to identify and give us vision for where we're going, Lord God. I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that you would begin to put on their hearts a, a vision for seeing your kingdom advance in this world like never before. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Begin to Begin to show him, God. Thank you, Lord, for that. Just open up your hearts to him. If you're in this place and you have never made a commitment to Jesus, I'm telling you, don't waste another second. Living your life for Jesus is uncomparable to any other life. He desires you, like Pastor Sean was saying earlier, he is chasing hard after you. Don't leave this place without turning your heart to him. In fact, with every eye closed and every head bow, if you can just, you know that I'm talking about you. You know that you desire to make a commitment to Jesus. What I want you to do right now is just put your hand up in there. Don't, don't, don't even think about it. If you feel that, just put your hand up. Awesome. I see your hands. Awesome. Jesus has a life for you that is like none other. And let me tell you something. When you, when, you, when you commit your heart to him, the Bible says that your life is going to be transferred from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. You will no longer be a part of what the enemy is doing, but you are now a part of what God is doing. And so what I want everyone in this place to do is repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for giving your life for me. As you gave your life to me to wash my sins away, I now give you my life. Use me. Make me into who you want me to be. I believe, Jesus, and what you've done for me. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, I encourage you on your connection card today. Be sure you mark that you prayed that for the first time because we want to come alongside you. 
We want to partner with you. We want to tell you what the next steps are in your faith. Don't be afraid. (laughs) We just want to partner with you. So be sure you fill that out on your connection card. Amen? Amen. All right, well, let's turn our attention to the screen, and then we'll close this thing. Hey, everyone. My name is Sean, and I'm the lead pastor here at Cornerstone.